Hello and welcome back. My name is Dr. Christopher Gennari. This is Great Big History Podcast, and in this episode, we do World War II. So what we have here is, for those of you on the video, we have uh, a scene out of uh, the game Axis and Allies. And you can see just how um, massive this war is going to end up being. It is truly a world war. And so, what causes it? Well, we have the failure of capitalism. And the failure of liberal democracies in the Depression. The failure of both of those aspects, the failure of the economics and the politics gave rise to both communism and fascism as alternatives. The system failed, and so people looked at extremes, fascism on the right, communism on the left, as more reasonable, as something that could be successful. Communism is making money in Russia, in Soviet Union, I should say. And fascism took the Germany from the depths of um, 45% unemployment and runaway inflation to goose-stepping organization to the triumph of the will. The second cause, another cause, is communism and fascism's hatred of each other. The two systems are like matter and antimatter. There must be war between them. And we see this in the Spanish Civil War. The two cannot abide each other. And so the Spanish Civil War, there will be others, but there must be war between them. So once fascism succeeds in Germany, there is going to be war. Three is militarism especially in the fascist states. The fascist system is built on this. Jobs, resources, glory, all of this equals success. And success feels a whole lot better than depression. Four. So the, let's go back to the militarism. Three on the militarism. Let's go back for a second. So that made war attractive. Now you're like, whoa, professor, World War I was the worst war humankind ever fought. It murdered some 20 million people. It was a disaster for everybody who was involved. And I'd say, yes. And that brings us to number four, which is, this time we'll get it right. We're going to settle World War I for good, if you're Germany. We're going to get revenge for being screwed by the Western powers if we're Italy. We're going to, we're going to change the system. We're going to put ourselves on top Actually, it turns out World War I wasn't so bad. And you're like, yo, prof, what are you talking about? And I'm like, yeah, I know. But on my Twitter feed, I've got World War I fanboys who are like, this is when men were men. And wasn't it great when your lungs turned to goo out of uh, chemical gas? And, and then we invented a whole charcoal thing that you could breathe and you could breathe even though you didn't die from chemical gas? Wasn't that amazing? We're so amazing as people. And you're like, oh, my God. What are you talking about? 
The Battle of Verdun is a terrible, horrible place to be. The Battle of the Somme is so destructive that 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 English writers didn't recover for the next 50 years from it. That English literature is like stunned for the next half century with PTSD. But you got fanboys who are like, yeah, but men were men. Imagine running across. Yeah, imagine. Because there's nobody. Ah, forget it. But that's the idea. Fascism was invented by a bunch of people who looked at World War I and said men were men, women were women, and wasn't this great? And you go, well, what about all the dead people? And like, they're not talking about anything. They have nothing to say. <sighs> and so we're going to settle World War I for good. That Treaty of Versailles sucks, and we're going to undo it. We're going to make a new treaty. We're going to have a new war. And finally, our last cause, racism. The Eastern European and Soviet peoples, Slavs, suck. Slavs mean slave. They suck. Jews are all commies. And there were plenty of people. You go, oh, the Nazis are terrible. They're horrible. They're awful. Nobody would be, oh, wait. Hungary, Romania, Finland, all looked at the German Nazis and said, <gasps> better than the Russians. Because Hungary, Romania, well, Hungary isn't Slavic. Finland aren't Slavs. And they looked and they said, <gasps> yeah, forget the commies. And so there was an easy racism in Eastern Europe about who should really run the show. And the Germans, of course, say, well, the Germans should. But the other people who aren't German also said, well, we're not German, but you're, you're better than these other people. And the Germans said, yeah, that's true. We are better than, those, than the Slavs and the commies. We are better than them. And who would you rather have running the show? So what are our results? We're not going to get into the war itself because you've could take any course about that and uh it's we've kind of already talked about when we did fascism um in in from 1939 to 42 basically the the germans basically conquer much of europe going from one place to the next to the next plundering them along the way um the japanese invaded no, having their own war, they'll be lumped into World War II, but they had their own war starting in uh, 32 and then expanding in 37 into conquering China. Uh, they conquered most of eastern China, did terrible, horrible things there, murdered lots of people, uh, ran out of oil, more or less, and so had to go get oil from Southeast Asia. In doing that, they had to go by the Americans in the Philippines. So in order to bomb the Americans in the Philippines, they bombed Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. And... Um, meanwhile, the Germans are trying to take Moscow, and um, the S is hitting the fan. Uh, six months later, the Battle of Midway, and the Battle of Stalingrad, and fascism and militarism begins to recede. Uh, into all of this comes the Holocaust, the uh, systematic murder, rounding up incarceration and then murder of uh, six million Jews, another probably six million um, 
Catholics and a whole lot of uh, Slavs and Russians, uh, kind of an unknown number. It's been put as high as 10 million, but um, it's a huge number. Uh, and a lot of those people will be put into the Jews and, uh, and uh, the Jewish part, uh, counted so you don't want to double count, which makes you know it complicated. Uh, in the end, lots of people are murdered. And in June 6, 1944, the uh, Americans, Brits, Canadians invaded northern France, uh, along with some other peoples, and got a beachhead at Normandy, pushed out. Meanwhile, the Soviet Union had 20 million men under arms pushing from the east, and uh, they smashed Germany, invaded Italy, and freed the world from fascism. Mussolini was killed by his own people. Hitler killed himself. Stalin did a jig. Uh, Roosevelt died, uh, and Truman nuked Japan twice. Boom, the end. Technology, so are our results. Technology allowed for the massive destruction of people. Um, World War I was the most destructive war in history. Uh, up till when World War II starts. World War II is just, it murders 60 million people. 4% of the world, the world's population died in this war. In this war. Some 60 million people died. 20% um, of the population of Poland, 4% of Japan, 5% of Austria, 8% of Germany, 13% of the Soviet Union, 55% of Jews, and that number is even crazier. So you go 55% of all Jews in the world were murdered. That number gets crazier when you look at specific countries. Greece. Now you go, Greece? I don't know anything about the Greek Holocaust because 86% of Jews in Greece were murdered. 75% in Hungary, 88% in Lithuania, 87% of Jews in Poland, 90% in Yugoslavia, and 1% of Jews in Denmark. Huh. I wonder why. Oh, wait. In places that had collaborative governments, governments that worked with the Nazis, those numbers are massive. They're high for France, too. In places that didn't work with the Nazis, the numbers are much lower. So that's not like, oh, well, Denmark has less Jews. It's no, no, no. That's the percentage of Jews who were murdered. That's what our statistics is. So in, in Lithuania, we were perfectly happy turning over Jews to the, to the Nazis to be carted off and murdered. So something new came about, and that's the bombing of civilian cities. The massive bombing of civilian cities. The most famous of which is um, Guernica. And the reason why it's most famous is because it's got a 20-foot wide painting by Picasso about it. I mean, there are other ones. Um, the bombing of Dresden gets Slaughterhouse Five about it. The Battle of Britain, of course, has had many movies about it. But... Guernica is the new. Guernica is really the, f 
it's during the Spanish Civil War, which is from 1936 to 1939. It shows what's going to happen just on a larger scale. It's the total destruction. The bombing of civilian cities is now the total destruction of populations. That you're not after resources. That you're not after money. That you're not even after slaves. That you're bombing the entire civilization to the Stone Age is the goal. And the Spanish Civil War is this prelude to, to the Second World War. In the Spanish Civil War, you had conservatism plus militarism equaled fascism, support for fascist government, a war against liberalism, and a war against communism. The idea was liberal democracies were weak, broken, and impotent. They won't help. And Britain and France and the United States didn't help. Oh, yeah, I know. There's the Lincoln Brigade and a whole bunch of like Hemingway goes and there's there's a whole bunch of journalists and artists who go to Spain. But who sent troops? Who sent technology? The Soviet Union. Fascist Germany, fascist Italy, not the Western democracies. And so. You didn't become a. Democrat, little small d Democrat, you weren't, you didn't follow Locke anymore. That the Spanish Civil War shows that if you're anti communism, you go fascist. You don't go uh, re Republican electoral um, democracy. And if you're defending yourself from fascism, you go communist. That that's where the help will be. The extremes. Increasingly, the center doesn't hold. So. Um, all right. I do have events here. I was going to skip over events, but... Um, I have events here, so I might as well go through them. From 1933 to 1943, we have fascism on the march. They will uh, win elections, take over countries, and then start invading other people. Uh, they overrun Eastern Europe. And, you know, there's a lot of being in the Western democracies that are kind of okay with this. At least they're anti-communist. Hitler is a bad guy, and everyone knows he's a bad guy, but at least he's not a commie. In 1940, there's the conquest of France. Germany is triumphant in its thousand-year conflict. In fact, Germany is finally triumphant in its thousand-year conflict with France. They have been fighting France since they were Gauls and Germans before Caesar shows up. And this is the victory. This is kind of the final victory of Germans versus the French. In 1940, the Battle of Britain, the first air battle, the first battle that's primarily completely done in the air. The British win. The UK is safe. In 1941, Germany invades the USSR. This is the largest war in human history. Everything about this is so massive, it just sucks in entire populations. Um, the only thing I can think of that comes close in terms of um, percentages, not, not in full numbers, but just in percentages, would be the Punic Wars. Uh, the Second Punic War. Because you just had, it just sucked in everybody. 
1941, Germany invades the USSR. In 1942, Japan sweeps the Europeans out of Asia, creating an Asia for the Asians. Actually, it's an Asia for Jap Japanese. Um, because they said Asia for Asians, and the Asian people of East Asia said, oh, great, so I'm independent now? And the Japanese said, uh, no. They invade Pearl Harbor. They bomb Pearl Harbor for the exact reason I talked about. They needed to get to past the Philippines, so they had to get rid of the American fleet that would have protected the Philippines and block, block them in the Pacific. So that, that turn creates that war. In 1943, the tide turns in the USSR. The U.S. invades North Africa. will later invade Italy, along with British troops. Uh, island hopping in the Pacific. Every island becomes a last stand, becomes this battle. Uh, Iwo Jima and Guadalcanal are the most famous two battles, and they're horrendous. Uh, Tarawa is another one where just the casualties are huge and so the the war become takes on a very racist tone on both sides uh but you know americans do racism real well um and it just becomes the propaganda becomes racist the feelings become racist there's less and less uh um there's less and less pow's and so increasingly it's a it's 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 like the racist war that is between the Soviet Union and, and Germany, where you just murdered everybody of the other side. Uh, in nineteen forty four, the USSR overruns Eastern Europe. The USA and Britain and Canada liberate France. Uh, in nineteen forty five, the Nazis last stand in Berlin, and atomic bombs are dropped in Japan. So, we get VE Day. Woo! V Day, May 1945, Victory in Europe Day. We get VJ Day in August 1945. Two giant bombs go off, obliterating entire cities in one moment. This war was different, was massive on a whole different scale. In Japan, for example, 67 Japanese cities... were obliterated between 60 and 90% destroyed, including the two that were nuked. That's just two. There were 65 other cities that were effectively completely burned down. More people were killed in the Tokyo fire raids, which were a couple of weeks before the nukes, than were killed by the nukes. Berlin in 1945 is a shell. It's not a city anymore. It's a shell. And what the atomic bomb meant was that war would mean the destruction of all civilization. That up to this point, you could have wars as competition, war for resources, and kind of the Greek and even the Roman mode. Now, a war with nukes meant the obliteration of the entire culture and civilization, everything. And then the hydrogen bomb is invented in the 50s, and that's even more powerful. So if you were worried something might live with the atomic bomb, nothing is going to live with the hydrogen bomb. So what are our results? Europe is obliterated. Only Sweden and Switzerland are the only two countries in all of Europe 
left untouched. Art, culture, money are gone, used up, con con converted, sold, destroyed. They're just ground up. A thousand years of cultural wealth, of cultural heritage, obliterated. You have the end of European empires. We're going to talk about this in part three, decolonization, but 1947, India says, we're not going to take it anymore. We're out. And Britain says, yeah, okay. In the Middle East in the 1950s, in Africa and Asia in the 1960s, France is going to fight. France fights in Algeria, it fights in Vietnam, and it loses. It loses. You didn't lose. You didn't lose before. You were Europeans. You were white people. You didn't lose to non-white people. Now they're losing. The UK is so bankrupt, it's on austerity till 1954. Austerity is supposed to be a wartime measure. They still didn't have enough. Ten years after the war, that's how devastated the economy was. They had poverty. The United Kingdom was poor despite winning. They won. And Churchill's like, we won. And there are people like, oh, yeah, but I don't have meat. We won. We didn't lose. And there's a pride in that. But it's a Pyrrhic victory in a lot of ways. The British Empire will, call, will disappear in the next 15 years. America will replace Britain as the leading country of the world. By 1970, there's almost 200 countries. Whereas before you had great empires, now there are 200 countries. What are the results for America? Well, America is victorious. It makes 60% of the world's goods. It has the world's only navy for all intents and purposes. And you go, oh, well, but what about the British? Uh, no, not in 1945. Most of it sunk. Um, it's just, and it's gonna, and it's gonna get worse as time goes on. Um, America also has the only nukes in the world. We had, the United States had such a moral victory, such a huge victory, was so in charge of the world in 1945, we invented war crimes. We invented a whole new kind of thing where we said, you know what, you shouldn't act this way. I know, we bombed your city, we nuked your city, but you know what, you're the real barbarians, and we're going to invent a whole new concept called human rights that everybody's entitled to, and we're going to invent because we're awesome, and you're going to be prosecuted for it. And this is Nuremberg. These are the Tokyo trials. Nuremberg is N-U-R-E-M-B-E-R-G. And that's very important that they were in Nuremberg. Because if you watch Triumph of the Will, that is where the big Nazi uh, campaigns are from. That's where Nazism, fascism starts. It was, we are going to put an, uh, an axe, a, a spear in the end of this. We're going to have our trials. We're going to put all you duh, on trial in the place that started this whole philosophy. We invented human rights. 
And that's the terrible thing when people, when Americans start advocating, like during the, during after 9-11 and during the Iraq war, oh, we should torture these terrorists. We have to torture these Muslims. We have to, and you're like, no, no, no. And they're like, but we need information. And you're like, we invented human rights. If we go against it, nobody else, not China, not Russia, not Vietnam, nobody else is going to do it. They're going to look and say, hey, you invented this concept. We only followed it because you were doing it. If you begin, and, and I know the response is, well, why do we have to be so good? Because we're Americans. That's why we have to be so good. Because we invented the concept of being holier than thou. We invented it. Two, we create the Marshall Plan. Hey, Europe, you got your, you got your cities blown up. We're going to help you rebuild. We're going to give you loans. We're going to give you money. We're going to give you all kinds of stuff. Uh, rule one, can't be communist. Rule two, since we make 60% of the world's goods, you're going to buy our stuff. You know, you're going to build a railroad. Where are you going to get the steel from? From us. Thanks. So the U.S. will help rebuild Europe, making friends, creating allies. And it's good for Europe, for American workers, because... To help rebuild concrete, steel, uh, uh, all of the stuff, drywall, you're going to get it from America. Three, we're going to invent NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, that's going to protect Europe from the USSR. Yeah, we finished. We got rid of Nazis. But what about commies? And more importantly, what allowed the Nazis to come so close to victory that nobody fought against them early on, that there was no collective action, that Britain and France were always like, well, 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 and then Italy was like, well, we're going to be fascist, and it was just a mess. And then Spain's like, well, hey, we'll go one way or the other, but we're definitely not going the French way, and it was just a giant mess. And so here comes the Amer America, like Colossus, standing on one foot on the English Channel and the other foot in northern France going, all right, we're in charge. We're going to help run Europe. And all of you, this is Article 5, and all of you, if any of you were attacked by the Soviets, we're all going to come and help you. Mm -hmm. Because we're the effing cavalry. Because we're America. Damn it. We also invented the IMF and the World Bank to protect the world's economy, to create rules for trade, to stop the depression from happening again. Because ultimately, that's what led to all of this, the collapse of capitalism. So to save capitalism, we had to destroy capitalism, to resurrect kind of a socialism, a social democratic system, the kind of system Bernie talks about, um, in order to save something of capitalism. What about the USSR? Well, the USSR is traumatized. They had the largest army in the world. They had 20 million dead. This is a trauma. They looked at Europe and said, you effers are going to invade us again and again and try to destroy our system. And remember, Stalin is paranoid anyway. And so what are they going to create? An empire in Eastern Europe. Who's going to stop them? We have 20 million soldiers and the will to use them. We just defeated the Nazis almost single-handedly. So we're going to impose our will on Eastern Europe. And originally, they just had to be friendly governments. Later on, they had to be friendly communist governments, or more importantly, 
especially like after 56, they had to be um, governments that they would choose, that the Soviet Union would help choose to make sure they were friendly. But the idea was we are going to put in Romania, in Bulgaria, in East Germany, in Poland, friendly governments so that you, no one invades us again. And that creates the Cold War. The Cold War is Europe is going to be divided between your zone and our zone. And as long as you stay in your zone, we're cool. And as long as I stay in my zone, we're cool. And that should have worked. The problem was there was all these kind of places in the middle, Greece, Turkey. And there were places that flip-flopped. That start one place, and then they have a revolution, and then they join another place. Um, and so what happens is the U.S. and the Soviet Union are always ready to fight each other. But what they'll do is have bad wars elsewhere where sometimes they'll use their own troops and a lot of times they'll just send weapons and money and fund a group. And so that's the Cold War. We're always ready to fight each other, but we're not quite going to do it directly. What about Europe? Well, Europe is over. Europe is done. The idea that since about 1500, Europe is going to run the world is over. So what's going to replace it? I mean, there's, they make attempts. Britain tries, it loses India, which was a lot of money. It's going to try again in the Suez Canal to take over Egypt, to run Egypt, uh, get rid of Nasser and hold on to the Middle East. No, nope, that ain't going to work. Uh, the French are going to try in Algeria and in Vietnam. They're going to lose in both. They tried. They couldn't do it anymore. So what's going to replace? If you're not going to have a giant military empire, what is going to replace this? And what replaces them is the welfare state. Healthcare, education, social welfare. They're going to have small armies, and because of NATO, no wars. We're going to have the ec European Union, the economic unity. We're going to create the European Union. Why? So we can all trade with each other, kind of like American states trade with each other. So money can flow between countries easier. So that people can flow between countries easier. And most importantly, goods can flow between countries easier. Because the depression happened, and everyone shut their, their doors to everybody else. And the idea since is you need more connections. If, if I am buying your wine, and you are getting my money then you don't need to attack me. I'm already buying your wine. And if you're buying my cheese, then you don't need to attack me. I'm already buying your cheese. Or you're buying my cheese. There's stuff going on. We have a relationship. And so the idea is we won't have war. I mean, look at Canada. They're right there. They're right to our north. They're big. We can own them. We could just conquer them. We could own them. Toronto is a perfectly lovely place. I've been there several times. Uh, we could go up to Quebec. I could learn French again. It would be wonderful. Why don't we conquer Canada? And the answer is because we get everything we want from Canada already. We have free trade. I get paper. I get French food. I turn on my my satellite music player, and boom, I get French folk music from Quebec, 
Life is great. I don't need to conquer and own it and have all that resentment. I get everything what I want from free trade. And if I really need to go to Toronto, I go. And the Canadian's like, hey, come on in. Spend money. Turn, your, turn those silly dollars into loonies. It'll be awesome. And so the idea is to promote trade, to promote democracy, to have stability. And that's what you'll get in England and in France and in Germany, at least until 1968 when everything goes crazy. But the idea is we want a stable Europe. So ultimately, Europe is divided in half and Europe is conquered, which hadn't happened since, the, certainly since the Huns. But you can make the argument because half of Europe kind of got conquered by the Mongols. So we're talking at the very least from the 1200, some 800 years, or as much as 1500 years when the Huns conquered Europe. Empires are disintegrating, India, Africa, Asia, the Middle East. Uh, Britain is in poverty. The richest country in the world in the 19th century is in poverty. Uh, the French are soul-searching. How did we lose? We've beaten, we have beaten up Germans for a thousand years. How did this happen? How did we have such a rapid defeat? We lost in six weeks. How did this happen? And so they're looking for collaborationists. They're looking inside their own government. The Fourth Republic will collapse, and we get the Fifth Republic. Um, the Fourth Republic will collapse in, uh, because of the Algerian War. We get the Fifth Republic. Italy is wrecked and has, oh, forget about stable. It's stable, but its governments are a mess. So Italy has a stable economy. It has a stable alliance system. So it had the ability to have the craziest internal politics of any major Western country. It's had something like 60 governments, 70 governments. It's a mess. Uh, the newest election that just happened a few weeks ago in 2018, um, in reading about it, the best place I found to explain all the different parties, like we have two parties. They have like 10 parties or more was a place that you said, okay, we will explain what's going on in Italy right now, and we're going to explain the Italian parties by using Homer Simpson characters. Like, that was the easiest way to explain the craziness that is the Italian political system. But they don't wreck the economy. They don't invade Albania. They don't collapse or collapse in the world depression. Spain and Portugal, they go fascist. They have fascist dictators in the 30s, but they're cut off from any role in Europe because they don't enter the first, the Second World War because they would have lost. And second is they become poor and backward by the 1970s because they're cut off. They're not part of NATO. They're not part of the EU. They're, they're left. They're like an appendix to the 1970s when finally Franco finally dies um, the fascist dictators in Portugal are overthrown. Uh, and by the mid-80s, Spain and Portugal have been accepted back in. They become part of NATO. Uh, they become part of the EU. In fact, they're major parts of the EU. And um, 
They have some of the best football teams in the world. And so Spain and Portugal, um, very rapidly, from like 1975 to 1995, become reintegrated into Europe. And the hope was that would happen. That would be the model for Eastern Europe once the Cold War ended in 1989, especially after the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991, that Poland and Romania and Bulgaria, that they would, they would become the new Spain and Portugal. They would become part of the EU and become part of a united Europe and be sucked in and boom. They become modern very rapidly. And that hasn't quite happened for a whole variety of different reasons, which they're dealing with now and why you're getting new fascist governments in Hungary, in Poland. Because they look at the European system, the Euro, this Western German liberalism of Germany and France and, and the Netherlands, and they say, it's not helping us. We're not that much better off. And England is like, we're worse off F you guys, we're out. And that's Brexit, B-R-E-X-I-T, Brexit. We're out of Europe because you guys are screwing us up so that Germany can run the world. And so, and so that's the end of part two. We have a world blown up, America triumphant, a Soviet Union that has, is traumatized but victorious, and what we're going to have now is a test. This comes, that's test two. And then we're going to talk about the after war. Culture, art, gender, feminism, education, racism. We're going to talk about what happens in this brave new world. Because the world, as people understood it, ended between 1915 and 1945. So what's this brave new world going to look like? And that's part three of our course. Thank you.